0: In my hand, powerful word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today speak to me in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Love you. We need to tell each other we love each other more than we do, amen. You ever Read <clears throat> or hear great stories in the news, or maybe uh, in a movie <clears throat> that describes or shows great courage. Any? of you ever seen any of those? What What comes to your mind when you think of that? Braveheart. Braveheart. That's exactly the one I was thinking of. When when Wallace rode in front of everybody, and you know. Any others? Courageous. Courageous excellent movie on being a good. Dad, and being the type of dad you should be. Any others? Patriot. The Patriot. Yep. Another good one. There's bunches of them. Yeah. What's that? 300. Oh, 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's lots of those in front of us. Lots of those, those we see that takes a lot of courage. Uh, the coyote and the roadrunner is one that I think of, too. <laughs> It took a lot of courage for that coyote to think that he could catch that roadrunner, yeah, especially when he's on the way down from the cliff. <laughs> Maybe you've already experienced some life situations that have caused you to have courage. And if you haven't, you more than likely will. Because there comes a time in each of our lives when we're called upon To have courage. It takes courage for someone at the end of a worship service who's been putting off a decision that they know they need to make to be baptized, to walk forward and to make that decision because obviously they're a little nervous about what other people might think and they know that they're not necessarily supported by their family. You know, that's courage. It's courage when a young lady hears a message like we're going to preach today and breaks off a relationship with a guy that she really likes because she knows that it isn't what God wants for her. That's courage. It'll be courage when a husband tonight will say to his wife as they go to bed, what if we start praying together every night? I haven't done a very good job of being the spiritual leader of this home, but I want to start. That takes courage. It takes courage for an employee... This week, to say to a boss, I'm not going to doctor the receipts anymore. (coughs) It takes courage to sit across from a friend and to say, I can't seem to control my temper. I keep yelling at my kids. Maybe we'll say, I'm struggling with drinking. It's gotten out of control. Or, I'm struggling with pornography. I've kept it a secret. You see, it's really, really hard to be that honest, isn't it? And that takes a lot of courage. It takes courage to fight for a marriage when you're married to someone that you really no longer feel in love with. And so I just think that much more than we realize, courage is a quality desperately needed in our time. In those Bibles that you held up, turn to Joshua chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. And by way of summary, to get us to where we are. Moses has died before the people enter the promised land. God needed someone else to be in charge when Moses died. So he appoints Joshua. And Joshua is about 40 or 50 years younger than Moses. And so he's the represented person of the generation. The next generation He's going to be leading the people into the promised land. So Joshua is appointed by God. And it serves us, he serves us as a great example of what courage can look like. But here's what's interesting. He's about ready, after 40 years in the wilderness, to lead the people into the promised land. But, Joshua also was one of the 12 spies who originally, 40 years prior to this, was sent to the promised land to scout it out and to find out a little bit more about what they'd be walking into. Ten of the spies came back. We find that in Numbers 13, 14, and 15. <coughs> ten of the spies came back and they said, Moses, we went into the land of which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. In fact, here's some fruit we brought back for you. <laughs> but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We can't do this. So ten of them said. So all the people we saw there were great-sized giants living the land. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look the same to them. They just look down on us like we were little grasshoppers. These cities are too fortified. The people are too big. We can't do this. They're filled with fear. Ten of the spies came back, and that's what they said to Moses. But then two of them came back, and they said, we've got this. God's given us the land. He's promised us this land. We can do it by the power of God. And those two spies, as we all know, were, give me their names, Joshua and Caleb. So if you want to name your children after two good Bible guys, it's Joshua and Caleb. All right? So 40 years earlier, Joshua, one of the two spies, said, (coughs) we can do this. We can take it. But the people were filled with fear. And they spent the Next, or the last 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, Joshua, in charge of the people, are now ready to go and get a second chance to take the promised land. They're ready 40 years prior to this, but because of disbelief, God had a march of 40 years in the wilderness. And the reason he did that is he wanted to kill off the people that really didn't believe. And get rid of them. How about that? So if you don't believe, maybe he should kill you off. Uh-oh, y'all for preaching and meddling now. So, we pick up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your ter- Isn't this great to hear? Wouldn't it be great to have God say this to you? Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all all the Hittite country, the great sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. (laughs) So, God's sending his people a second time to take the promised land that he had promised Abraham so many hundreds of years earlier. Joshua is a seasoned warrior, he knows it won't be easy. He's been in the land, he's seen the walls, he's seen the giants. He knows that they're, what they're going to be up against. And so God tells him. Four different times in this chapter. Chapter 1. To be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I mean they're not there yet. They're not at the city yet. But here's what God is doing. He's preparing them ahead of time. For what will happen later. And it seems clear. As we've studied together so far, that God prepares us now for what will be required later. Preparation. Very important. Have you experienced that? Can you take a look back and see that what you've gone through, maybe even years ago, prepares you for what you're facing now? That's what happens. God is preparing you through life's experiences, through life's journey to handle things that you may be facing even right now. I mean, you can look back in a week or maybe even a month and things weren't any accident that happened. They happened to prepare you for where you are now. So God gives them a heads up before they, go, before they get to the city of Jericho. He says again and again, be strong and courageous. So when they get there and they see the walls, they realize why God said it. So many times, because the city walls of Jericho were intimidating. I mean, these were walls that were known to be impassable. you got an outer wall that's six feet thick, an inner wall that's 12 feet thick. Both walls stationed with guards. And they come up against this wall, and there's nothing they can do. What can they do? They can't get around it. They can't go over it. I mean, these are two huge walls. Between them and what God wanted them to accomplish. So I I wonder in this moment if we can kind of identify what that wall is that's in your life. Could it be health? Could it be finances? Could it be relationships? Could it be parent-child? Child-parent. See, that works both ways, by the way. When parents don't get along with their kids, usually it's because the kids aren't getting along with the parents. <laughs> Notice that? See, parents <coughs> parents are a fickle bunch because parents will say, do as I say do. Don't do as I do. That doesn't wash. It doesn't wash. You want your, you want your kid to be a, a good, well-behaved, well-mannered kid? Then you be that way. See, the responsibility falls on the adults, not the kid. You want the kid to quit speaking so harshly at home? Then you quit speaking harshly at home. (laughs) You want the kid to be obedient? You be obedient. You show them how. Well, wait a minute here. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying. Hey, you can get out on the road and drive however you want to drive. (coughs) Just wait for me to get past you, would you? But yeah, you can drive however you want to drive. Knock everybody off the road you want to knock off that's not the best thing to do though, is it? Unless you've spent 15 minutes to get 15% discount on your insurance. (laughs) But is there a challenge? Is there a situation that's in your life that seems literally impossible to deal with or to overcome or to handle? You see, with God... Nothing's impossible. Now, if you jump down to chapter 6, they're getting ready to take the city. Before the battle begins, God says something to Joshua. and You need to really pay attention to this game plan. Listen to the grammar. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with his king and his fighting men. Now, they haven't fought the battle yet. But did you see the way the verbiage is in that verse? He says, I've already given it to you. So, how did God already give it to them when they haven't fought any kind of a fight? How can we say, the victory has been won? Isn't that past tense? The victory has been won. But yet, why do we have to battle? You see, the children of Israel still had to take down the walls of Jericho, but God said, I've already delivered it them into your hands. See, so that's going to require faith, isn't it? <laughs> that's going to require trust. A courageous faith is speaking of what hasn't happened as if it already has, if God promised it. If God promises it, It's already done. If he says, I will never forsake you or leave you, trust it. It's true. Boy, you don't see how dark it is, preacher. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Ultimately, where are we going when we leave here? Anybody? Ultimately, where are we going when we leave here? We're going to go be with God. We're going to go to heaven. That's what we all talk about, right? But when it gets right down to it, and it gets really dark, we "Ah, ah, ah." don't have to be scared. (coughs) You don't have to be scared at all. Courageous faith says, I'm going to trust God no matter, because He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or the shadow of the valley. (laughs) You're in the shadow. If God promised it, He'll do it. Now, you may want to jump off the roof and fly. But if God didn't tell you to do that, I don't know that I'd jump and try to fly. When I was a kid, I thought I could do that. You know, I tied a towel around my neck and I had a cape and I could jump off and be like Superman, right? Quick came the fall thereof. Now the funniest part about that is my brother, my dad brought a parachute home from, he was in the Air Force and he brought a parachute home for us to play with. So my brother straps it on, he says, hey man, I'm good to go. And a big wind comes up, we were in Abilene, Texas, and it's really windy there. And it came up and it grabbed the parachute, opened it up, and pulled it over the house with him attached to it. (laughs) That's the only time I've seen a Pig fly. No, I mean, I saw time I've seen a guy fly, and the funnier part is that it laid down and he hung by the eave of the house and screaming. It was, fun. it was great. It was great. You've met that brother, by the way. <coughs> but fourteen times, God says, "I'll give you the land. I'll give you the land. I will give you the land." And so, when you speak of God's promises that have not happened, as if they've already happened. That's courage. That's faith. It's what God does. So Joshua, I think, and the people are full of courage. They're full of strength. God's delivered the city to them. And when they hear God's battle plan, they get really excited. Look at verse 3. Here's what I want you guys to do. Here's how we're going to knock this thing out. Here's what he says. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times... With the priests blowing the trumpets, and when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and all the people will go up, and every man will go straight in. (laughs) Now, can you look at Joshua and the people, and they're looking at each other, and they hear the words of God, and they look at each other and go, Really? That's your plan? Hmm. Hmm. Now Joshua being this seasoned warrior, I'm, I'm sure he had some thoughts himself, right? He had some plans himself. I mean, after all, he's a seasoned warrior, right? A seasoned veteran. It's kinda of like you and me. We've lived life a little bit. We can tell God how to do some things, make it better. Amen. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure Joshua has some strategies laid out how he's gonna how he's gonna get the city. I don't think part of that was what God had in mind. But then Joshua thought, oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, I bet God's got somebody on the inside. I bet God's got somebody on the inside that's going to that's gonna help us. And you know what? He really did. Her name was Rahab, and she was a prostitute. Now play this through your mind. Okay, I've got this prostitute, I've got a marching band, and we're going to <laughs> we're going to walk and we're going to play the trumpets. and now have I got, about, have I got that about right, God? so what God does again here is He sets up against Himself He takes the odds away from Him He stacks the deck against Him to demonstrate His power and His strength so Joshua couldn't claim any victory because at the end of the day everybody would know that Joshua may have gotten the win but it was God that delivered it that happens in our life. That happens in our life. I don't believe with all my heart that the doctors were ready to do the hernia surgery on Don last week. But they didn't have a choice. Because he couldn't go any further until he had that fixed. So he gets that fixed, and he's still with us. It was touch and go at the end. When they had him in ICU monitoring his heart because he has a hard time breathing. He has fluid that keeps building up in his lungs. Numbers of things. But it's God that, got, that delivers the victory. So he says to Joshua, here's the plan. Just march around. You're going to blow these trumpets. And I'm sure that Joshua got a little kind of anxious because he's used to being a war veteran. I mean, he's a war veteran. Come on. He knows how to fight. Right? But I can't help but wonder, Joshua, and the people wondered as they were marching around the city. <laughs> really, now one of my favorite stories is the Veggie Tale story of Josh and the Big Wall. If you've never seen it, you need to see it, because when Joshua, who's the pickle, shows up at the wall, and the uh, American Legion guys are up on top of the wall, and they look down and they say, "Hey, pickle," because they're French Foreign Legion, right? Hey, Piquel, what are you doing? Because he just kept marching around. I just love that phrase. Hey, pickle! what are you doing? You see, if a pickle can make the walls fall down, so can you and me. Because it just probably didn't look like the people of Jericho were really going to be too frightened with them walking around blowing trumpets, right? I mean, come on. But as they obeyed God, then they saw God come through. I want to give you a couple definitions of courage. The first one is courage is not absence of fear. It's moving forward in spite of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving forward in spite of fear. Sometimes we think of a courageous person as someone who just isn't afraid. Courage is not... Not being afraid. Courage means that you move forward even though you are afraid. Psychologists tell us, that that's not how we tend to deal with fear. Our number one way of dealing with fear, according to psychologists, is avoidance, not courage. I'll prove it to you. How many of you can raise your hand and say, God has used me and I have been a part of God's plan of leading someone else to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine counting me. And there's thirty some odd people here. That's almost a tenth of us, huh? Or a third of us, I guess. I'm not good with math. Grew up in Texas, just bear with me. <laughs> so. Why do y'all look at Chris when I say that? Just because he wears the longhorn stuff and all. He, he doesn't even like Texas. Come on. He just bought the stuff because it's on sale. Oh, now he's groaning. Okay, well, here we go. Hey, I saw a post on Facebook that he, would, he was going to go to an OU basketball game. They were playing Texas. How'd that work out? Oh, well, just. I've gone from preaching to meddling now. Okay, all right. It's like being number five in the nation and coming into Stillwater. What do we know, right? Okay, let's get right back to this here, okay? You know, we tend to avoid things, we have a natural tendency to withdraw. But if you know you're facing a financial challenge, The way that really looks is, you get a bill in the mail, and rather than deal with the bill, you just don't look at it anymore. You put it aside. My wife is that way. Cindy does not like to see bills. She doesn't have, she gets, she gets shaky, she gets weak in the knees, and sometimes I'll leave them laying out on the counter just for fun. <laughs> and she'll walk in, she covers her eyes like this, she says, I told you not to leave those so like him. <laughs> and I like to hold them up and go, look, 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 look how far behind we are, because you throw them up, whichever one hits the ground first, those are the ones you pay. Let's rest of them, wait. If they don't have enough sense to send nine copies in one, in one of them, that's too bad. But we just don't want to open it. We don't want to deal with it. So we push it aside. We think, hey, you know. <laughs> Somebody is talking to us in the living room. And we don't really want to carry on the conversation. We raise the volume on the television. Like somehow that's going to stop them. So what do they do? Well, okay! I mean, they just raise their voice, right? Yeah, that's it. The funniest part for my family is when I start napping during a football game and they change the channel. And then I quickly wake up and say, hey, I was watching that. Because <laughs> I've got the drool stain all down my shirt here. <laughs> their funniest story is we were in Stillwater when Corey was in college and I, do- I nodded off during a football game and I and I and I, I woke up to see this guy running down the sideline, I thought, "So touchdown! <laughs> he was on like the 40-yard line. <laughs> he wasn't even close to a touchdown. But they still talk about that. But what do we learn from this story? That courage is doing what God has called you to do, even though you're afraid, even though you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, even though you are scared, even though you're tired, even though you're alone... Even though you've had a lot of chances before, just never seem to work out, you keep moving forward. (coughs) So what you have in this story of Joshua, is you have Joshua as a young man in his late 30s, early 40s, where he goes in and he says, we can do this. We can do this. But there's an older generation in charge. And the older generation says, no, we can't. And the older you get, the more the tendency is to not take risks. Sit in churches all the time. We don't have the money to do that. That's when you do it. <laughs> How are we going to afford that? That's when you do it because it has to be a move of God to even happen. Woo stop working. I started praying this past week when I was in Florida and my pastor's network because I was challenged to be a man of prayer. In a way that I haven't been challenged ever before in my life. And so I began to pray for this to be a church of 250. But stay in this location. Not move. How are we going to do that? Five services of 50 people. We're 250. Woo! So all I need is about 20 more people for this one. Then we'll start one. So we'd have to have five services of two on Saturday, three on Sunday. Or we just move them all five to Sunday. Whenever you be fun? Start at nine o'clock in the morning, just work away around the clock. Man, we'd be wore out, wouldn't we? Phyllis would have to play five services every Sunday. Phyllis and Jeff, they'd have to play five services. We'd have to start paying them to stay here, I think. Or God might raise up some new folks. You see, if we never pray it, it's never going to happen. Oh, well, no, I, I never, no, no, no that'll never happen. That's the older generation. No, 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 no. We'll never see that. No, 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 no. Really? When's the last time we had a baptism? I mean, I could tell you, but do you know? It's been a long time. I mean, after all, we bought a new baptistry. I'd be using it more, hadn't we? It's full of water. You can see it on the glass. Actually, that's just a picture painted. There's no water in there at all. <laughs> it's like the preacher baptizing, had two boys He's baptizing that morning. And he got through with the first one and you know, did it real formally, and all of a sudden he says, And now we're ready for our second. And before he can get all of it out, here comes this kid. Dive bomb! <laughs> Splashes. Act like he's at the swimming pool. Preacher's all wet, water's running over the edge. And pretty soon he had the hand of God up around his neck. <laughs> the older generation says, the older generation of Moses says, we can't do this. And the younger generation around Joshua said, Oh yes, we can. Oh yes, we can. He was a ripening young age of 80. <laughs> So what happened to Joshua? You see, the first time these people saw the cities and the people, said, we're like grasshoppers. We can't do it. Second time, they have courage, they have strength. And here's what I think happens. I think they went from focusing on their smallness to focusing on God's bigness. Quit focusing on the small things that you face and on the great big things that God can accomplish. I'll stop and let you say amen. Amen. One more time. Please say it loud. Wow. I don't know of anything that has the potential to be more life changing than when we take our eyes off our smallness and we put them on God's bigness that you confront the walls in your life not by looking at who you are, but by looking at who God is. I confessed in Sunday school that I need to lose 50 pounds. 50 more pounds. Can I do it? Sure I can. Would it help me get off of insulin? More than likely. Would it let me have my knee replaced? More than likely. But you see, I'm comfortable where I am now. Did you catch that? I'm comfortable here. I know what it's going to take to get 50 pounds off. It's taken me a couple of years to get this 50 off. I don't want to wait a couple more years. That means I'll be 60 years old. So I need to get it off now. So I'm going to find a pill that will take it completely off of me. And so by next Sunday, that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want. No? It's going to take the discipline of eating right and the discipline of exercise and the, dis- the discipline of quit whining and complaining. And then the fourth one is stand firm with God. Because God took it off the first time, He'll take off some more. You got to quit smoking? He'll help you. You got to quit drinking so much? He'll help you. You don't quit looking at pornography? He'll help you. You battling cancer? He'll help you. She sits right over here. (laughs) See her nearly every Sunday as we watch God heal, God bring restoration. Amen? Yeah. So don't don't look at and stare at the wall and how small our problem is. Let's look at how big God is. Our stories would look dramatically different If we would just focus on the bigness of God. And I'm wondering if God is wanting your story to be about His bigness. Your story would tell that God is bigger than your problems. Bigger than your doubts. Bigger than your fears. Bigger than your regrets. Bigger than your guilt. Bigger than your shame. He is bigger. Bigger than the wall in front of you. And we take our eyes off of who we are in that moment. And we put our eyes on who God is. If it wouldn't make all the difference in the world. Isaiah 40 helps us. Verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now, I put it in my hand. I give it about a table, table, food, swimming spoonful God says, I've measured the waters in the hollow of my hand. So what he does is reach down and we get up the Pacific Ocean in his hand. See, sometimes, some places in the ocean are six miles deep. So he just grabs it all. Holds it right here. Isaiah goes on to say, Who has with the breadth Of his hand measured off the heavens. You see, tip to tip here, you know, maybe nine inches. So God says, when you look at the universe, the closest star to us other than the sun is about four and a half light years away. That's 26 trillion miles. If we continue on our course, we will have that much debt in the near future. Because we've got spineless. People in Washington, on both sides of the party, and presidents from George Washington on, who've created this debt of seventeen million dollars. Amen. It's not just one party; it's all of them, because none of them have to live like you and I live. Hey, let's make their cap salary fifty thousand dollars and no perks. They're going to be on the same plan as you and I are on. Amen? Amen. Hey, Lord, have mercy. We changed Washington D.C the whole culture and the climate would change. <laughs> who has the courage to stand up and do that? What would happen if you took your eyes off your smallest and put them on God's bigness? You took them off the wall in front of you and you remember just how great and strong God is. Be strong and courageous. I don't know of anyone who says, Nope, I don't want to live that way. I think I would prefer to just walk around full of anxiety and fear. I had a dear sister in our church years ago tell me, she said, "You know, I know God doesn't worry, so I have to for Him." <laughs> Some people are that way, aren't they? They got to worry, 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 anxious, be anxious, anxious, anxious. I mean, everything is they're anxious about, everything they're worried about, everything they get angry about, everything they get all keyed up. I don't know how they make it. I don't know how they make it. You just want to take a two before and just pray with them, don't you? See, if you knock them out, maybe get something done. Do they push a button that just simply says, I'm not going to be anxious anymore? Do we listen to the eye of the tiger over and over again? Do Do we do that? I would say more than any other way, God will respond to us through prayer. I'm convinced of it. We don't have because we don't ask. We focus on the, on our big thing instead of on the bigness of God. It's really a small thing instead of the bigness of God. We have all been saying and have said, I've been here 20 years, and all that time we've all said we want our church to grow spiritually and numerically. Some have said it'll never happen. Yeah. But I'm praying for a group that will say it will happen. And here's how we're going to make it happen. Here's how we're going to partner with God in His greatness, in His goodness, in His bigness, and we're going to see God do a mighty thing. I'd have never thought in my wildest dreams that we would have overcome the embezzlement that we face as a church. Not only do we overcome it and pay off all the problems, we're, we're, we're set with the IRS, we're all good with everybody. And still... And still, because of your generosity, we're able to exceed our budget proposal by $30,000. Really? Really? And initially, we only got 10000 from two families, 5000 apiece from two families to help us. And we never looked back. You didn't look back. Because we focused on the bigness of God and not on our small problem. I just wonder, can we have that same kind of faith? Second definition of courage, courage is fear that has said its prayers. (laughs) Courage is fear that said its prayers. And so that's what we want to do. Courage is not something we just drum up within ourselves. It's not something we just find within us, but rather it's found in a relationship with God. survey was done by a preacher on his Facebook uh, post of his friends list. And he said, he asked, could you give, just give me a five word sentence, five words that represent a lie that you've believed that has robbed your story of strength and courage. He got 240 responses. Let me give a few of them. Five words, uh, five word lies that have robbed their story of strength and courage. It's too late for you. You messed up too much. No one will want you. It's never going to happen. You will just fail again. You're never going to change. (coughs) There's plenty of time left. You will always be alone. You have failed as a mom. You're just like your dad. God doesn't love you anymore. It'll be like this forever. You've wasted too much time. You're on your own. You don't need any help. God's done giving you chances. Five words that came quickly from hundreds of people. Words that have robbed their story of strength and courage. But I want to give you five words from Joshua 1 and verse 5. I will be with you. I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. Jesus said in the Gospels, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. John 14, He tells the disciples, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending a Comforter. The Holy Spirit, He'll come and He'll live within us. But we don't live life on our own. We don't live life full of fear and anxiety because we don't know what's going to happen but we live a life of faith and of courage and of strength because God is with us. God is in us. God is bigger than any wall that we face. Amen? Amen? Amen! Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! He does! Come on! Please show me some life out here, church! You're in a coma! You're going to have to... I'm going to have to start standing up and preach from now on, man. You guys are driving me nuts. Come on! Amen. We can sit around here and be dead, or we can get up and rise and do something great for God. Amen? Amen! 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 Amen. Amen. Good night. Nurse, I shouldn't have to drag it out of... But if I must, I must. Let's pray. Oh, God... Just want to acknowledge that we've had our eyes on the wall too long. We become we focus on our smallness. And we need to change that. We want to be part of the Joshua generation who believed, God, that you could take the city. And whatever wall we might come across, it's not too big for you. We can't get around it. We can't get over it. Especially on our own. But God, You are with us. You are in us. So Lord, how would our stories be different if we lived with that kind of faith? If we lived with that kind of courage? That You are with us. Oh Lord, would You show us what that looks like? Would You help us in our next few minutes to take our eyes off our smallness and to put them on Your bigness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Perhaps you need to talk to somebody about your relationship with Christ. Perhaps you need a church home. I can't recommend a better group than this. And we'll do our best to love you the way Jesus does. Because we are an imperfect people just doing life together. Some of you may just need to pray. One of the things that I learned this past week is that nothing ever happened that didn't happen at the altar. (laughs) When you read the Old Testament, the altar was a pretty critical piece to the puzzle. We've got one over here. It's called the cross. And I want to start today encouraging you. If you're in a song service, we're singing a song that Phyllis is playing or Jeff is playing and God's just moving in you. Why don't you come up here and get by the altar? When we offer an invitation, just come get by the altar. You might say, man, I, you know, there's no chair up there. Get on the floor. I don't care. We'll help you get up. Because you see, this is all about our trusting God's bigness and not focusing on our smallness. So if you have a decision to make, we always offer an invitation. If you have a decision to make, I want you to do it as we stand and sing this great hymn of faith. Just as I am. Because God just takes us just as we are.